Friends, listeners, hello. Welcome to the Voice of Love broadcast, where we can experience God's love and start on a new journey. I am your host, Katherine Mills. Today, we'll be sharing with you some recitations of God's words. This program will air at the same time every week. If you'd like to enjoy more inspirational programming, please check out the Church of Almighty God website at www.holyspiritspeaks.org. It is recorded in the Bible that God gave to Abraham a son, Isaac. Afterward, God asked Abraham to make of Isaac a burnt offering, and Abraham stood witness for God and ultimately gained God's blessing. Reading this story, some people will feel moved, will come to some understanding of Abraham, have some knowledge of God, or may perhaps understand in this story the path of practice to follow in their faith in God. Today, the recital of God's words we'd like to share with you will lead us to a whole new understanding of the story of Abraham. God's utterance, God's work, God's disposition, and God himself. Two, part one. No one can hinder the work that God resolves to do. So you've all just heard the story of Abraham. He was chosen by God after the flood destroyed the world. His name was Abraham. And when he was a hundred years old and his wife Sarah ninety, God's promise came to him. What promise did God make to him? God promised that which is referred to in the scriptures. And I will bless her and give you a son also of her. What was the background to God's promise to give him a son? The scriptures provide the following account. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? In other words, this aged couple was too old to bear children. And what did Abraham do after God made his promise to him? He fell on his face laughing and said to himself, Shall a child be born to him that is an hundred years old? Abraham believed that it was impossible, which meant that he believed God's promise to him was nothing more than a joke. From man's perspective, this was unachievable by man, and likewise unachievable by and an impossibility for God. Perhaps to Abraham it was laughable. God created man, yet it turns out that he doesn't know that someone so old is incapable of bearing children. He thinks he can allow me to bear a child. He says that he will give me a son. Surely that's impossible. And so Abraham fell on his face and laughed 
thinking to himself, Impossible. God is joking with me. This can't be true. He did not take God's words seriously. So in God's eyes, what kind of a man was Abraham? Righteous. Where was it stated that he was a righteous man? You think that all those whom God calls upon are righteous and perfect and people who walk with God. You abide by doctrine. You must see clearly that when God defines someone, he does not do so arbitrarily. Here, God did not say that Abraham was righteous. In his heart, God has standards for measuring every person. Though God did not say what kind of person Abraham was in terms of his conduct, what kind of faith did Abraham have in God? Was it a little abstract? Or was he of great faith? No, he wasn't. His laughter and thoughts showed who he was. So your belief that he was righteous is but a figment of your imagination. It is the blind application of doctrine. It is an irresponsible appraisal. Did God see Abraham's laughter and his little expressions? Did he know of them? God knew. But would God alter what he had resolved to do? No. When God planned and resolved that he would choose this man, the matter had already been accomplished. Neither man's thoughts nor his conduct would in the slightest bit influence or interfere with God. God would not arbitrarily change his plan, nor would he change or upset his plan because of man's conduct, which might even be foolish. What then is written in Genesis chapter 17, verses 21 through 22? But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear to you at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. God paid not the slightest attention to what Abraham thought or said. And what was the reason for his disregard? It was because at that time, God did not ask that man be of great faith, or that he be capable of great knowledge of God, or moreover, that he be able to understand what was done and said by God. Thus, he did not ask that man fully understand what he resolved to do, or the people he was determined to choose, or the principles of his actions, for man's stature was simply inadequate. At that time, God regarded whatever Abraham did and however he conducted himself as normal. He did not condemn or reprimand, but merely said, Sarah shall bear Isaac to you at this set time in the next year. To God, after he proclaimed these words, this matter came true step by step. In the eyes of God, that which was to be accomplished by his plan had already been achieved. And after completing the arrangements for this, God departed. 
what man does or thinks, what man understands, the plans of man. None of this bears any relation to God. Everything proceeds according to God's plan, in keeping with the times and stages set by God. Such is the principle of God's work. God does not interfere in whatever man thinks or knows, yet neither does he forego his plan or abandon his work, because man does not believe or understand. The facts are thus accomplished according to the plan and thoughts of God. This is precisely what we see in the Bible. God caused Isaac to be born at the time he had set. Do the facts prove that the behavior and conduct of man hindered the work of God? They did not hinder the work of God. Did man's little faith in God and his conceptions and imagination about God affect God's work? No, they did not, not in the least. God's management plan is unaffected by any man, matter, or environment. All that he resolves to do will be completed and accomplished on time and according to his plan, and his work cannot be interfered with by any man. God pays no attention to some of man's foolishness and ignorance, and even ignores some of man's resistance and conceptions toward him. Instead, he does the work that he must do without scruple. This is God's disposition and is a reflection of His omnipotence. That Abraham could have a son at 100 years of age allows us to see that the things God determines to do cannot be obstructed by people of little faith or the notions and imaginings of man. No matter what people think of God's works, God will accomplish them all in accordance with His plan, and no one can stop them. God is as good as His word, and His word shall be accomplished. The moment God's words are uttered, the facts are accomplished and fulfilled bit by bit according to the time and pace God has laid down. This is God's disposition and authority, and it is an expression of His omnipotence. Now, let's listen to the hymn, None Can Hinder God's Work. God's Word, God's Word None can ever hinder God's Word When God promised Abraham that he would have a son He thought it impossible, thought it was a joke Whatever man does or thinks, it's not relevant to God All proceed by God's time and plan, that's the rule of His work God's management God's Word, 
Guiding those man's foolishness Their resistance and notions He just does what he must do This is God's disposition these experiences, Abraham came to have some true appreciation and understanding of God's almightiness and wisdom. And everyone might know the work which God performed on Abraham next. But why did God do this? What did God want to gain from Abraham? And what exactly was God's will? The next recital of God's words will dispel any confusion we might have in our hearts. The Work of God's Management and Salvation of Mankind begins with Abraham's offering of Isaac. Having given Abraham a son, the words that God had spoken to Abraham were fulfilled. This does not mean that God's plan stopped here. On the contrary, God's magnificent plan for the management and salvation of mankind had only just begun, and his blessing of a son to Abraham was but a prelude to his overall management plan. At that moment, who knew that God's battle with Satan had quietly begun when Abraham offered Isaac? God does not care if man is foolish. He only asks that man be true. Next, let us look at what God did to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, God gave the following command to Abraham. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get you into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you of. God's meaning was clear. He was telling Abraham to give his only son Isaac, whom he loved, as a burnt offering. Looking at it today, is God's command still at odds with man's conceptions? Yes. 
All that God did at that time is quite contrary to the conceptions of man and incomprehensible to man. In their conceptions, people believe the following. When a man did not believe and thought it an impossibility, God gave him a son. And after he had gained a son, God asked him to offer his son. How incredible! What did God actually intend to do? What was God's actual purpose? He unconditionally gave Abraham a son. Yet he also asked that Abraham make an unconditional offering. Was this excessive? From a third-party standpoint, this was not only excessive, but also somewhat a case of making trouble out of nothing. But Abraham himself did not believe that God was asking too much. Though he had some misgivings and was a little suspicious of God, he was still prepared to make the offering. At this point, what do you see that proves Abraham was willing to offer his son? What is being said in these sentences? The original text gives the following accounts. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and split the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Genesis chapter 22 verse 3 And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Genesis chapter 22 verses 9 through 10. When Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son, were his actions seen by God? They were. The entire process from the start, when God asked that Abraham sacrifice Isaac, to when Abraham actually raised his knife to slay his son, showed God the heart of Abraham. And regardless of his former foolishness, ignorance, and misunderstanding of God, at that time Abraham's heart for God was true and honest, and he truly was going to return Isaac, the son given to him by God, back to God. In him, God saw obedience, the very obedience that he desired. To man, God does much that is incomprehensible and even incredible. When God wishes to orchestrate someone, this orchestration is often at odds with man's conceptions and incomprehensible to him. Yet it is precisely this dissonance and incomprehensibility that are God's trial and test of man. Abraham, meanwhile, was able to demonstrate the obedience to God within himself, which was the most fundamental condition of his being able to satisfy God's requirement. Only then, when Abraham was able to obey God's requirement, 
when he offered Isaac? Did God truly feel reassurance and approval toward mankind, toward Abraham, whom he had chosen? Only then was God sure that this person whom he had chosen was an indispensable leader who could undertake his promise and his subsequent management plan. Though it was but a trial and a test, God felt gratified. He felt man's love for him, and he felt comforted by man as never before. At the moment that Abraham lifted up his knife to slay Isaac, did God stop him? God did not let Abraham offer Isaac, for God simply had no intention of taking Isaac's life. Thus, God stopped Abraham just in time. For God, Abraham's obedience had already passed the test. What he did was sufficient, and God had already seen the outcome of what he intended to do. Was this outcome satisfactory to God? It can be said that this outcome was satisfactory to God, that it was what God wanted and was what God had longed to see. Is this true? Although in different contexts, God uses different ways of testing each person. In Abraham, God saw what he wanted. He saw that Abraham's heart was true and that his obedience was unconditional. And it was precisely this unconditional that God desired. People often say, I've already offered this. I've already foregone that. Why is God still not satisfied with me? Why does he keep subjecting me to trials? Why does he keep testing me? This demonstrates one fact. God has not seen your heart and has not gained your heart. Which is to say, he has not seen such sincerity as when Abraham was able to raise his knife to slay his son by his own hand and offer him to God. He has not seen your unconditional obedience and has not been comforted by you. It is natural then that God keeps trying you. Is this not true? What God actually values are man's sincerity, honesty, and obedience. And these are what God most hopes to gain from us. At this time, I can't help but think of all the years I've believed in God. And although I also gave up everything and expended for God, and I worked for the Lord, there was more sincerity and obedience to God in one hair on Abraham's head than I had at all. When God blessed my family with a peaceful and a comfortable life, I thanked God. When I felt no grace within me, I just couldn't bring myself to utter any true thanks to God, and I became negative, slid backward, and was filled with complaints and misunderstandings about God. My desire, which wanted blessings, was so strong, yet I hadn't shown God any of my sincerity. At that time, I understood why God continually tests us. 
because God has never seen our sincerity or unconditional obedience and has never gained any comfort from us. He uses trials to cleanse our faith of impurities and to gain our sincerity. As it turns out, these trials of God's are His way of loving and saving us. Next, let's enjoy God Treasures One Who Can Listen to His Word and Obey Him. Here, we have the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Here, we have the watering and supply of the living water of life that flows from the throne. Here, we'll all attend the sumptuous feast of the kingdom of heaven. This program, The Voice of Love, will lead you to a greater understanding of the mystery of God's work so that we may walk together on life's bright path. 
Well, friends, that's it for our program today. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to enjoy even more music videos, recitations of God's words, choral works, musicals, stage plays, and gospel films, please visit the Church of Almighty God website at www.holyspiritspeaks.org. You can also email us at info at almightygod.church or call our gospel hotline at 1-347-422-1980. May God bless us. See you next time.